Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Ah, welcome to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the Lord's house, amen? That old amazing psalmist, King David. This evening, I want to share a word with you that's been stirring in my heart for quite some time. And if I was to give the word a title, it would be absolute truth. In our generation, we are living in a time that I'm going to break something down for you guys tonight, that the world has changed since about the 1970s. It's changed dramatically. The way people look at reality has changed and is changing. But we believe in a God who says that He changes not. A God who tells us that He gives us all of the answers about how to live our lives in this day and in this age. And He tells us that when He speaks a word to us, that His word is truth. That we can take that word to the bank and that word will be true and everything else will fall apart. When God's word comes out and it starts to integrate and fall into line in our hearts and we make room for God's Word, the Bible tells us that God's power starts to work deeply in us. And I want to share a little story just before I open this up too deeply. I was overseas and doing some ministry many years ago now, and we had this extended meeting, uh, I had this extended series of meetings at this little country church Uh, overseas, and there was this young lady who came who'd been in a car accident, and her back had been smashed up. The bottom two vertebrae of her back were in a really bad way. She could barely bend. She couldn't twist her torso like this at all, and we were having, we'd promoted it as a healing night. You know, you feel like God speaks to you sometimes, and you think, am I going to step out upon that word that God said to me, or am I going to reserve the word and play it cautiously or am I going to step into this thing and really believe what God has said? So I'm a little, I'm not a smart man. So sometimes I think it's okay to just listen to what God says and and everything's going to be all right, you know? I think that's a pretty good recipe for life. And so we promoted these things. God had spoken to me. We're going to do do some believing for healing. It's going to be a healing revival service. So first night went off and we were into probably about night three or four. This lady came with a smashed up back and we started praying, and she got healed, right? And so she's able to move, and she's able to uh, stretch her back out and bend over, and she turns to her husband, and she just bursts into tears because her husband hasn't been able to pursue his profession the way that he would have liked to because he's been caring for her for like a year and a half. And so that was pretty awesome. We've given God thanks for that. We've seen God heal in many different ways before, I'm sure in in our church here and and all over the world, the body of Christ is seeing the power gifts of God really taking off in this generation. And uh, the next night, this lady brings her father back, and uh, he's been firing shotguns all of his life, and because of that, it's shattered the ball and socket joint up here in his shoulder. And so he comes up for prayer, and we're just praying for people at the end of the service, and God's moving, and it's really exciting. And he comes forward and he starts to tell me about all this story about why his shoulder has been giving him all these problems for like the last 10 years. And and it turns out that his shotgun shooting, he likes to fire a very heavy caliber of shotgun shell. 
And because of that heavy caliber, that's, that was what was giving the kick into his shoulder, which had literally torn his shoulder apart. And he had this story about why his situation was like it is. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've got a story about why my situation's like it is. But a story is just a story. And if we lay the truth of God over top of a story, which is more powerful? Which is more powerful? The truth is more powerful of the truth of God's Word. And so I said to the guy, look, I don't know about your story, man. And oftentimes when praying for people on the altar, people want to download and tell a long story about how they are, why they are. But I've just learned, not being very smart, that if we just approach it and ask God and say, God, would you step into this crazy story and do something that's beyond what this story is? Would you come in and move in this time and do what only you can do? We're just going to give you all the praise. We're going to give you all the glory. We're going to give you all the thanks. And we're going to give you all the honor afterwards. And life's going to be much better. Amen. And so this guy, I said to him, I don't know about your story, man, but let's just pray and believe on what God says. Do you believe in God? And he says, yes. So I'm like, all right. So we pray for this guy. And lo and behold, his shoulder stops grinding and his shoulder stops hurting. And all of a sudden, he's able to lift up his hands like this. And as he lifts up his hands like this, he, says to, he turns to his wife and he says, I haven't done this for 10 years. Praise God, amen. See, sometimes just listening to the Word of God and hearing what God has to say and throwing caution to the wind and throwing all the facts of a story to the wind are so much more powerful than driving into a story that we already know so truly. Amen? And when God speaks to us, not only does He declare to us what, what uh, the world is, the way we should be living our lives, but He declares to us something which is an absolute truth. If you've got your Bibles, please come with me to the Gospel of John and chapter 8. It says here in John chapter 8, we're going to read from verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who had believed Him, If you... Jesus saying to his disciples, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Whoa. So the challenge that Jesus gave to his disciples, we have any disciples of Jesus tonight? Let me see your hands, all you disciples of Jesus. Come on, there's some more in here. Let me see all those hands. See, we're all disciples of Jesus. And he broke it down really simply. And he says here, if you abide in my word, You are my disciples indeed. So Jesus has got this word, he's got this truth that he offers to humanity that he asks us to come and live inside of. Jesus doesn't say, I want to only come and live in you. He says, I want you to live in me. I want you to leave your story and come into all of my truth. And when I reveal what I'm going to do in your life, if I'm going to reveal to you how I'm going to break you through, if I reveal to you the direction for your next step that you are to make, come and abide with me in my word, Jesus says. Because there's going to be plenty of opportunity not to abide in His word. But this, this, the, the powerful elements of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe are really the most simple ones. But the simple ones are often the most confronting ones. Leaving my story behind and stepping out into His Word, into His promise, into what His definition of my life can be, that really confronts the things in me that have maybe settled where I am. Maybe where I've started to take up root 
in the place where I never should have. He goes on again and he says here, finishing this this thought off in verse 32, and he says, and watch this, this is so awesome. And you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now in this translation of the Bible, when it says here, um, the truth shall make you free, the original language of the Greek doesn't actually say the truth shall make you free. It doesn't have a process in it that says to us, first we come to know the truth and then the truth does something inside of us. It doesn't say to you, get familiar with all the passages of the Bible and then when you've done enough to know everything that God has to say to you, then God's gonna do something for you. It doesn't say that. What it's saying is, come to God and just start to mingle yourself in one word that He has. Can I have an amen with that? Simple things are the most powerful things. See, you can't learn all of God's Word overnight and God knows that. God just wants us to come to Him today and grab what He's saying to us and start to mingle it into our world. I've had seasons of life where one Scripture has lasted me for years. Years and years and years where I've just had to hang on to that one word because there's a power in that word. In the, in the gospel, sorry, in the book of Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 there, it says, the Apostle Paul, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for, for the gospel is the power of God to all people who believe. And see, when we come to know the gospel of Jesus, We start to mingle with God's truth, but that truth, that gospel word is a power into our lives. Is Mel around? Um, Mel's going to help me out. Oh, here we go. Thanks, brother. If you could bring these over here, that'd be awesome. I've got some props. I figured it's youth night and Pastor Caleb's allowed to, so I'm allowed to have a prop too. Is that okay? Awesome. Well, that'll do right there for the moment. When we take one word, when we take one word of God, we start to mingle in a power that's not of this earth. And the the original Greek language word there for power is said dunamis, or vinami in in the more colloquial modern language, but dunamis, it's literally the word from which we extract the modern word dynamite. For the gospel, my friends, the truth of God is the dynamite in your life to shatter the structures that the enemy has put in place, maybe generationally, maybe environmentally, maybe to do with your health, maybe to do with your past life, and your, maybe it's to do with your emotions. The enemy wants to keep us on lockdown from moving into the future But with one simple little word, God wants to come in and put His dynamite inside of us and not blow us to pieces because it's only the devil that comes to kill and steal and destroy. But when Jesus comes with His dunamis, when He comes with His dynamite, He's come to give us life and life to the full. Can I have an amen? Jesus wants to come in and He doesn't want to... Peel the onion back layer by layer. Jesus is like sitting over in the corner. And as soon as we start praying and saying yes, he's like, the fuse is lit and he's like, because we've said yes to a power greater than our own. Can I have an amen? See, what God doesn't expect of us is works. 
what we expect of ourselves and what we expect of our employees, those of you who are employers or those of us who work in different places, works is expected of us, but not from God because Jesus has already won the victory, amen? All He wants us to do is say yes, that His power would move into our lives, amen? Now, I mentioned that the world has changed since the 1970s. Let me mention a name here. Can I have a show of hands to see who amongst us has ever heard of a character by the name of Jacques Derrida? Let me see. One, two. I see that hand. Any, two people in a room of, you know, hundreds. Two people have heard of Jacques Derrida. But let me tell you, a couple of his brainchilds have affected all of Western civilization since the 1970s. Jacques Derrida was a, he was a philosopher who was uh, working in the academia in France, and he came up with two modes of thinking that have outlived him. He's now passed away, that have outlived him, and they have infested themselves into all of the academic systems and structures of the world. Everything that has uh, a following on of the scientific method as its foundation, Western wisdom and education, has been touched by Jacques Derrida's two brainchilds. They're called postmodernism. Anyone heard of postmodernism? Deconstruction. Deconstruction is the easy one for us to touch quickly. Deconstruction is Pastor Caleb. He's so intelligent that we're talking about the Bible one day. And as we were talking, he was smarter than me. But I didn't like it. So this is role play. I didn't like it. And I get really mad because I like being smart. And Pastor Caleb's smarter than me. And instead of saying, Pastor Caleb, you've got a greater Bible knowledge than me. I submit intellectually to you. You are my superior. I start to say, well, you're ugly. And then, then, I, then I go out to, to other people. I go to Cabe and I say, oh, mate, you wouldn't believe this bloke. He thinks he's so clever, but you know what? He's a hypocrite, right? See, what I'm not doing is I'm not dealing with him on the intellectual level. I'm cutting the feet out of his character. That's deconstruction, okay? That's deconstruction. When someone can't defeat you intellectually, they try to go for your character. Now, he took that, systematized it, and planted it into modern debate and discourse. He also did another one, which is called postmodernism. And modernism essentially was this school of thought that said, that said the world is good because we've worked really hard. We've got the Protestant work ethic. We all get up early in the morning. We go to work. We provide for our families. We stick together as a nuclear family. We believe in the Lord. We love the Lord. And what is the prosperous world? Used to be called Christendom, but now it's called the West. And through that whole process of time, uh, the modernism in the generation of the hippies and all those kinds of characters, they looked at modernism and they thought, we don't want to be like that. We want to be post-modern. We want to be after modernism. We don't want to be like those people previously. And the major tenant of post-modernism says this, if you believe a thing to be true, that's your truth. But if I believe a thing to be true, that's my truth. Now, Pastor Caleb, could I get you to come over here for me, please? I want you 
to give me a bit of a hand here, this is my two-meter TNT, okay? I'm, I'm handing that over to you, so I hope you look after it well. Now, I'd like you to measure that for me. That's my two-meter TNT. I, I love that TNT. It's my favorite TNT ever. It's two meters long. And would you just confirm to me, Pastor Caleb, what I already know in that the, uh, the, the TNT is two meters long. Tell the people what you know that I know. It's not two meters long. Pastor Caleb, you don't have the right to say that to me because that's your truth. Now, Pastor Caleb, I'm going to get very emotional soon. And you'll know, friends, that I'm right because I'm emotional. Now, I'm going to give him one more chance because he's a good boy. And he knows what's good for him. So, Pastor Caleb, do the people a favor, please, and tell everybody here in God's house the truth of how this is my two-meter TNT, please. It's eight to seven centimeters long. No, look, you can go sit down, Pastor Caleb. Thank you very much. It was nice having you here. What was I telling you, Cabe? What was I telling you, Cabe? This bloke, right? Now, just because I say a thing is a thing doesn't mean it really is a thing. It's just me saying it, right? Get this. Jacques Derrida, one of his wonderfully famous quotes was basically about how he lies. This is, I'm going to summarize it for you because it's a bit technical language. This is awesome weasel words. This is talking about how he academically and intellectually lies. He says, well, if I pretend a thing, I'm only pretending to pretend. So if I lie, I'm only lying about lying so it doesn't matter. Like, it's just your mind just goes, what? But the reality is, we're living in a day now and an age now where external reality, a measuring rod, which we used to believe as the Word of God is the foundation of society, is being stripped and called something that it's not. People are coming to the Word of God, which is the power of God, and saying it's two meters long. And who are you to say otherwise? Well, I'm not anybody to say otherwise, but if you read this word, it's what says otherwise. I can't change what it says. Thousands and hundreds of thousands of people over the years have, been, have laid down their lives and died because they wouldn't choose to compromise this word here. This word here is a power into our lives that can change our circumstances and our situation just like that. How long does it take for a, for, a, uh, for a stick of dynamite to explode? It takes just a millisecond. But see, when the Spirit of God is at work in us, in people, when God is moving and he, he, His power is at work, it's like a bomb that goes off inside of us that instead of bringing destruction, it brings health. So when you raise up your hands and you feel power flowing through you, that's the bomb of God going off in your life that's pushing back the boundaries of darkness. Amen? Not by might, not by my power, but by my spirit, Zechariah said. By my spirit, says the Lord. So I'm going to go along here and we're going to have a look, couple, a look at a couple of things from the Scriptures here. The first thing I want to talk about is the truth is only really revealed by the Spirit of God. In John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 17, it says here, 
talking about the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. So we're talking about the Spirit of truth that the world cannot see. The world cannot see the Spirit of truth because it neither sees Him or knows Him. It wants to call God something other than what God calls Himself. I'm not a smart man, but I know that God's Word is true. Amen? And what God's wanting for us in this day and age is not to be smarter than other people or to debate other people or to be ugly or to be confrontational with other people. God just calls us to walk humbly and love other people and do the best that we can with what's in our hand and go ahead and live the life that we have. And I'll tell you what happens is His light starts shining out of us. We don't have to be the ones who are you know, walking around with placards in our hands saying, we're against such and such, we're against such and such. I'm telling you, my friends, if we start to just get about what God is about, we won't have time to be against anything. Because God will fill us to the point of overflow with purpose and with joy and with power. God will give us direction in our life that's far more uh, fulfilling than standing there being against something. Oh, I'm against such and such. Well, you know what? I'm for the moving of God into people's lives. I'm for the broken being made whole again. Amen. I'm for the sick being restored. I'm for the, the blind getting their vision back, man. And all God's asking us to do is just walk with Him, hang on to one of His little words, start applying it to our life and inviting the Holy Ghost into that space. Amen. That's all God's after. He's not after our works because Jesus has finished the works. All He's after is our heart because He knows that when He gets our heart, all the works are going to follow and we'll give far more uh, to the Lord after He has our heart than we would have otherwise. Amen. Matthew chapter uh, 7 and verse 13, when we start to walk with the truth, we start to follow into what Jesus says here. You know, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way which leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. I tell you, when you start to listen to that one little word of God, when you start to hang on to that one thing that He's saying, it's a really narrow road. It doesn't need to be wide and broad because there's so much blessing on that road as we walk that narrow road with Him. The Spirit of God has no error in Him. In John chapter, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 6, it says here, We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. But by this we know the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of error. Let me tell you, when we're walking with the Lord, and the Lord wants to come on our lives and move through our lives with power, we feel the sense of righteousness like a magnet pulling us upwards. Amen? You can feel the goodness of God residing on you. But when the enemy comes, he doesn't come like a force of darkness that just wants to crush and squash. He wants to lead us away slowly but surely. Just a little bit of compromise here and a little bit of compromise there. That's what it says here. It's talking about the spirit of plan A, just a tiny little, tiny little deviation. You know, you've been doing so well walking on that narrow path. Let's just take a, a quick little step to this side over here and eat from the mulberry bushes. And then you can step back onto the path later on. But oops, they were poison mulberry bushes. We, we all know the story. I'm not going to go too far down the, the track there. But what we look at here is we've got to understand the type of work that the enemy has against us, which is not something that's going to look exactly completely polar opposite of what God has to do. It's something that's very similar with what God wants of us. 
But just carrying on that narrow path is so important. Let's go now to John chapter 8 and verses uh, 25 to uh, 26. John 8, 25 to 26. And they said to Jesus, who are you? I love this. See, the Spirit of God gives us total security in our life. When we, sorry, the truth of God gives us total security in our life. You don't need to know all of the answers about all of the future questions. Remember in the, God, in the beginning of the Bible, John, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters and the face of the earth was formless and void. I often feel like that going into new seasons of life. I feel like the, 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 the season that's in front of me, the decisions that I need to make, it's like I feel formless and void. Does anyone ever feel like that? Like, oh, here I am on the precipice. I've got to start making some decisions. I've got to get into this new, I've got to figure it all out. It's all formless and void. I feel I'm worried. I can't see the structure. I can't see the shape of it all. But at the end of the day, the Spirit of the Lord is right there hovering with us to lift us up, like I was saying before. Let's not worry about trying to make the form fit and make ourselves look perfect. Let's worry about trying to just be involved with Him as the substance of, of, of who we are in the Lord. Now, I've got a picture up here uh, I want to show you right now of, of something that kind of looks. Uh, can we get that picture up? Is that okay? Is that possible? No? That's fine too. Because... Um, there's these little things that they serve um, overseas where they're deep fried chilies, right? And they wrap them in this, uh, they wrap them in this pastry and they kind of look a little bit like this but, and they're called sticks of dynamite. It'd be cool if we had the photo, but that's cool. They call them sticks of dynamite because you bite into them and they're super hot, right? But really, you know, that stick of dynamite is not this kind of stick of dynamite. And just because I might be walking along in my life sometime and think to myself that, I might say to myself, this is two meters long, or I might say that the stick of dynamite that I've called the stick of dynamite is going to do God's work. It doesn't really mean that. And what, it, what God's asking for us to know is that, there we go, they're the sticks of dynamite. Let me tell you, my friends, if you were, if you were mining somewhere, if you were blowing up a road, which would you prefer? Would you prefer the real thing or the thing that looks like it? Because substance is not the same as form. And many people, by wanting to, def by changing the form of God, they can't change the substance of God. And they might create something that looks like God, sounds like God, and is even, in some degree, called God. But it doesn't redefine who God really is, amen? Because who God is, God is love. God is a God of grace and forgiveness and mercy and those are things that the world is far too lacking in at every corner. Amen? Amen. So let's just go on here. I'm going to close up in just a minute's time. Oh, I've got so much to say, but I'll close up because we've been at it for a while here. And I just want to say this. The truth is for us to live. The truth is for you to live. What God wants to do is He wants, like we were talking about before, he wants us to come and live inside of His truth. So if it's one little word that God's challenged you with in this, in this latest season, God wants, us, God wants us to simply walk by faith and not by sight and say, God, this is your word to me. And however it looks, 
I'm going to just try to conform myself as best as I can to this word. I'm going to listen to the voice of your spirit. I'm going to allow you to, to, to challenge me and to, to shred things in me that need to be get, gotten rid of. But really what he's calling us to do is be brought into not just a series of ideas, but he's calling us into a living word that will day after day reveal a life-changing power. When I first got saved, I went and got rid of all this old music and I went and found old bosses that I'd stolen things from and I wrote money like checks out to them and sold, sent the checks off to them and, and, and all my old music. I wish I had that music now. But I, you know what? When I look back, I think to myself, at that time, I was just so full of God, I just didn't want anything else. And anyone that I'd, I'd walked on their toes or stepped wrong with, I wanted what God had for me in that moment, and I wanted to attain that at any cost. And I just want to say, as God reveals inside of you and your life what it is He wants you to do, it's always going to feel like the vacuum of heaven is, grow, is, is getting a hold of you and bringing you up. Amen? If our religion gets to a point where we feel like it's about trying to create a form that looks like God, I'm telling you, it's not God. Because God just loves us right where we are. He believes that we are the answer to our marketplace. Amen. He believes that you kids are the, you're the answer to your school. Your, your neighbours are the answer to your neighbourhood. We are shoppers. We're the answer to the shops. Our communities, God's answer rests inside of us. And somehow as we outreach with the love of God, God grows us at the same time. God says to us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. God's desire is to bring a kingdom into this earth that is not even of this earth. A kingdom that makes no sense to anybody other than those who got the vacuum of heaven on them, pulling them up, strengthening them, giving them the ability to start off with, was it 20 orphans and then 60 orphans and one motorbike and then seven motorbikes. And then like that pastor there, was it Prasad? Like a few, few churches to a thousand churches. What's that? I'm telling you, that's not that man's work. That's the kingdom of God at work in him, amen. That's God conspiring to bring, this is the same thing with God conspiring to bring that Gilston property. He knew where it was going to land. He knew who was going to have stewardship over that. He was so good that he let someone else care for it for just the right time. When our leadership was ready, when our congregation was ready, then it all just moved slowly freely. It wasn't forced. There was no works. Who can take glory for that other than God? So why do we think God can only do that in our church? God's plan, my friends, is to bless the world through us and bless the world and bless us through Him being in us as He pours out. Father, I pray for all of my friends here tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that your, your truth is absolute. That we can build our lives with complete stability on your word. That we can hold to you. That we can see our future, not in form, but we can see it in substance. We can't see it 
in the ways of earth, but we can feel it, Lord, in our relationship with you as you've already defined it in the heavens. And we pray, Lord, over us as we go forward. We just pray, use us, God. We pray, use us in our small circles that we move. But we know, Lord, that we're like your chain armor that goes out. I want to pray for people tonight, just real quick. I want to pray for people tonight. If you've got healing needs in your body, or if what I've said to you has, has spoken to your heart, I want us all to just stand up right now together. Let's stand together, everybody. If you've got healing needs in your body, or if what I've said to you has spoken to you tonight, I just want to see your hand right quick where you are. Let me see your hand. Hands going up all over the place. I'm just going to pray that God's going to come and visit us in our shoes as we walk from this place and visit us in our shoes as we go forward into our community and visit us in our shoes right here and right now in our bodies. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that God is true and every man is a liar. Lord, we declare that the Lord Jesus said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We declare that as we stand on your truth, Lord God, that our lives are founded on the rock and the wind and the waves and the tidal waves will come and crash, but that house will stand in Jesus' mighty name. We declare, Lord God, your goodness over us right now. We declare your goodness over our family, over our generations, over our children, over our children's children, Lord God. We declare your goodness over our neighbourhoods, Lord God. We declare your power to flow through us, Lord God, not by our ability, Lord, but by yours. We thank you, God, that you are bringing into this earth a kingdom from beyond that none of us can understand in its fullness that we wonder at as you do it, but we just say, Amen. And Father, right now, for the hands that are lifted in this place, I just pray for the grinding joints. I pray for the misaligned organs, Lord God. I pray, I pray for the dysfunction that's at work on skin, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, right now for bones that aren't healing properly. And in the name of Jesus, I declare, Lord God, that Your Word says that healing is the children's bread. I declare, Lord, that Your Word says that these signs shall follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Lord, we declare, Lord, Your power through this place right now in Jesus' Name. And everyone who believes said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give Him praise, church. Lord, more, more of you, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, Pastor Caleb.